Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Jacqueline Gushalar. Jackie is the Chief Information Officer of Cisco. She's been in that role for nearly three years, and she's leading a remarkable transformation within the company and is also a counselor for many CIOs across a variety of industries. Jackie's been a leading light on the topic of future of work, a topic that Cisco, generally speaking, has taken a leadership position in. I look forward to covering all the above in greater depth with her, among other topics. Jackie's been a CIO across companies, including Deutsche Bank, Lloyd's Banking Group, and Thomson Reuters prior to her time at Cisco. Jackie, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Great to see you, Peter, as always. Excellent. But first, a word from our partner, Transmit Security, and the company's co-founder and president, Rakesh Lunkar. Transmit Security is a cybersecurity organization that focuses on identity experience and is enabling a secure and passwordless future. They also recently received the highest Series A venture capital investment in history for a cybersecurity company at a valuation of $2.2 billion. Rakesh wanted to share a couple of recommendations for technology and digital executives on how to improve a company's cybersecurity infrastructure. Thank you so much, Peter. First, I strongly recommend to take part of their budget and dedicate it to really innovative companies. It has to be built into the budgets up front so that it serves as a forcing function to really look for new technologies. The, the second recommendation is outside of identity. There are two very interesting classes of security technologies that are emerging. The first one is improving the quality of code to make sure that your developers are not introducing software vulnerabilities. The second is cloud security. I think we're in the first inning of hundreds of companies that will be created offering really innovative ways of securing the multitude of problems in the cloud environments. I just want to leave your audience with this the last thing every single time they have to enter their password change their password can't remember their password or any other problems please remember transmit security in today's unpredictable environment long-term success rarely comes by chance thriving organizations are able to rapidly respond to whatever comes their way be secure in the face of ever-evolving threats and identify opportunities for ongoing innovation how do cios ctos and cisos like you power these outcomes it starts with a strong data foundation that's why over 90 percent of fortune 100 companies use splunk Splunk's extensible data platform powers full-stack observability, unified security, and nearly limitless custom applications. The result? They unlock innovation, improve security, and drive resilience. Tune into Technovation episode 630 with Splunk's president of products and technology, Sean Bice, in which he talks about what it takes to unlock innovation in this unpredictable world. And to find out more about Splunk, visit splunk.com slash why. And now on to the interview. Well, Jackie, um, I, I thought we would begin with your current role. You are the Chief Information Officer of Cisco. And I, I wonder if you could take a moment and describe your role, such a, you know, a, an enormous and influential technology organization. You are a technology leader in a tech organization itself. Talk a bit about uh, what, what's under your purview in that, in that area of responsibility, please. Uh, yeah, pleasure to do so, uh, Peter. I mean, it's probably one of the most incredible CIO roles I've had um, in my career is how I'd start to explain it. Uh, and it essentially, you know, one of the things I would say is that it's centered around the transformation of the company, which is what the vision that Chuck has al had, had always shared with me and others like Maria Martinez, who I, who I work for. And in the role as Chief Information Officer, you know, I, I break it down into four or five different areas. The first is 
what I call the business applications. So all the applications and platforms that we use to sell, to service our customers, to bill our customers, to do our financials, to do our HR for our internal employees, you know, all of the platforms that serve what runs Cisco, the company, and how we how we interact with our customers. So clearly important for a 50 billion odd uh, organization. The second part is what I call traditional infrastructure. So everything from hybrid cloud, public cloud, private cloud, our internal data centers, everything around enterprise security, hugely important topic right now. Everything around the network, you know, not the corporate network, because now we're all at home, but also the non-corporate network and how we secure all of that. So that's the second um, area. And then I look at things like data and analytics. Again, critical for the company to get that right um, for so many reasons around our products, around our internal data um, and more. And then the final one I would call out is our our technology architecture and roadmap. Like what are we going to do and what are we moving to in terms of our, I say technology architecture broadly in support of the business transformation. And I think to me that that's the crux of it, Peter. We have to build technologies and move to simplified, you know, accelerated uh, new products to market. Um, but we've got to move away from legacy to that new target state architecture. And that's where the you know critical part of the role kicks in. Well, that's it's quite a purview, quite a, quite a bit that's under your uh, your your area of responsibility. I appreciate you running through that. One of the things I've been very impressed with uh, across your tenure, Jackie, is your ability to attract great talent. Um, and you're 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 one of these leaders who's a talent magnet of sorts, somebody who calls upon people from your past who recall clearly must recall uh, fondly their experiences at, at, at past companies at which you worked with them. While also, as you go out into the world and meet new people. You also collect, uh, you know, additional great uh, technologists, leaders to add to your team as well. Uh, talk a bit about the uh, the organization that you've built, and and a bit, if you would, about the the pitch you make to talented people to join the Cisco team. Yeah, sure. I mean, typically, Peter, what I do is I I start with clarity around what the company is trying to achieve, and then you know I work back from that to say, okay, in order for technology to do what we need to do in support of the business, in support of the transformation of the company, then what is our plan? And once we're clear on our strategy, our objectives, our plan, then I figure out what skills I need. I mean, they're usually similar, but technology is changing all the time. It's usually, you know, data centers, cloud, it's applications, but it's changing all the time. And then I try and make sure I build the best team I can get my hands on. Um, and, and what's interesting about the pandemic for me, it's been so challenging for everyone in so many ways, is the fact that it's essentially uh, driven what I've always believed, which is borderless talent. We should be able to get talent everywhere. And even though we have the great resignation, Peter, as you will probably know, it, it works in reverse. So in the last 24 months, let's say since the pandemic started, I have hired seven of my 12 direct reports, many of which I've never met in person, seven of my direct reports, data and analytics officer, chief technology officer, head of you know, product supply chain IT, um, you know, just to name a few. Um, and they're amazing, talented people. So what do I say to them? What do I say to them when I, when I call them? I say, 
you know, if you want to be involved in one of the biggest transformations in your career, in history of one of the best companies in the world, Cisco, and we know we have to transform, we know we have to redefine ourselves, we know our customers want more, then come join this team because that's why I joined Chuck and the leadership team because I believe that Cisco has all of the ingredients, but we also recognize that we're not where we need to be. And that transformation, I mean, I want to be part of that team. I want to be part of that winning team. And by the way, it's an it's an incredible way to learn, to be at the forefront of a transformation as complex and as challenging as this one. Um, you know, to me, just smells of opportunity. And, and as you know, Peter, I get more, really excited and passionate about doing things that people believe are too difficult because I know that we are going to we're going to get this one over the line. That's so interesting, Jackie. You know, of the nearly three years that you've been in your role uh, now, you know, you're coming up on two thirds of that in uh, during the pandemic and quarantine. As you talked, I mean, it's remarkable the the number of leaders that who have joined your team during the period where where a lot of the work has been done virtually as well. I wonder if you can reflect on some of the lessons you've learned about building a strong team and fostering culture, which is in some ways a lot easier when, when operating under one roof or together, uh, where you can have informal meetings together with formal meetings and and um, more directly make fe- people feel like they're they're part of something bigger than themselves. Talk a bit about how you foresee, or how you have done that rather, and, and even playing it forward, how you foresee that continuing to evolve, uh, especially in a hybrid environment uh, that 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 uh, is likely to be the case for Cisco among many other companies in the future. Sure. Yeah, I've spoken a lot, um, you know, uh, with people inside our, our company, Cisco, you know, G2, um, who who is in charge of our whole collaboration products. And then Fran, who is in, he's our chief people officer, amazing individual. I speak a lot to both of them. The products and solutions we have, like WebEx, like our collaboration platform, like how we integrate it into the way that we work every day, to the culture of the company, which, you know, Fran is absolutely spearheading. So what I would say is, you know, you need all of those three ingredients. You need the the people culture side now more than ever is so critical, Peter, in my opinion. And what I love about what Cisco is doing is we are allowing teams to have choice. We're not saying everyone goes back on this date. We're saying as teams, tell us what you believe will work for you. And then we will design HR practices and technology and operations to enable you to work from whatever that thing looks like. You know, and the reality is, I mean, we all know it, 90 odd percent of meetings in the future will have someone hybrid. You know, it'll be a hybrid of of some sort. There'll either be one person in the office and nine people at home or nine people in the office and one person at home. So you have to design the experience, um, you know, and and the technology around that. and we, we spend a lot of time thinking about the culture, right? Thinking about the culture, thinking about how we deal with mental health issues, thinking about how we really mix up the way that people come together in the future. And we're doing a lot of work around our offices, right? How do we redesign our offices to be secure and safe and easy to use, touchless, you know, um, making sure that we're keeping our employees safe and then also allowing that technology platform to be able to work with people who are at home or wherever they might be. I mean, I've had more more recent um, calls with people where, where they're actually in the car. So, so um, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a new way of working, Peter, for sure. 
It's so interesting. I appreciate that overview. And, and it strikes me as you're describing this, Jackie, that Cisco is, is particularly well prepared to offer thoughts about this. First and foremost, of course, diagnosing what's going to work well for your own company, but also, you know, as the company that's behind WebEx and has been, uh, you know, a leader, I think back to telepresence and all the different ways that were very early kind of versions of allowing people to collaborate uh, virtually before it was necessary for health reasons to do so, that, that you've got a lot more data than a lot of other companies do and a lot more experience than they do as well. Um, I, I can only imagine that, you know, there's sort of a meta version of what you're describing, that there's kind of you eat, drinking your own champagne, so to say, using your own yeah. tools, um, you know, seeing what works or what doesn't, developing and designing different solutions accordingly, while also, of course, interacting with and engaging with your customers to advise them on what you're learning at the same time. Can you talk a bit about sort of that process? I know that you're, you you take great pride in being, you know, customer zero, so to say, the first customer of the of the of the company and using your own products. Talk a bit about that balance between, uh, you know, uh, being both a, a user of of Cisco's own solutions, but an advocate to those outside of the company who do the same. Yeah. Great question. And yes, customer zero, a huge, huge focus uh, of mine, as you know, around how we use our own technologies internally and how we are the first customer to use that, giving feedback to G2 and Todd and others around, you know, what we essentially um, provide as services or products to our customers. So I would say that, you know, when, when we step back, we look at how Cisco is approaching the future of work and how technology is enabling that future. And there's there's five elements um, that we always talk about. And if you've heard G2 talk, you'll hear him talk about it as well. And it, you know, it's a couple of things. We believe that the office has changed forever. Um, and that work isn't going back to how things were before the pandemic. I mean, in fact, you know, as you say, we've got a lot of data. So some organizations transformed almost overnight for, from being more than 95% site and campus-based to more than 98% home-based, just to be able to continue to operate. So knowing that, right, there's always five char characteristics that you need to accomplish a world-class hybrid work offering. And, and you know, I, if I just list them out, um, Peter, it's flexibility, inclusivity, supportiveness, security, privacy, compliance, and manageability. So they're the five elements, let's say, or components that we really anchor everything that we're doing inside Cisco. And we're also looking at, you know, our customers through those same lenses and helping them come up with their transformation plans towards hybrid work. But, you know, looking, looking at those five, you know, flexibility, people want to be able to work from anywhere they choose to. So that is a given for us. Home, office, whatever. Inclusivity, you know, it's a mixed mode of working. Um, and how do you make sure that if everyone has an equal seat at the table, technology and virtual wise, right? If, if there are four people in the office and one person sitting at home, do you now put a square around everyone's face that's in the office so that the person coming in from home can see five squares? It's not one square in one room that's hard to see people, if you remember how it used to be. And so we're looking at all of that. How do you make, how do you use technology to make it more inclusive so that everyone has an equal seat at the table? Supportiveness, I mean, look, everyone's been through so much. Mental health is a big issue. I think um, technology can play a big role in the proactiveness of engagement and making people feel like they can work and be flexible and have their downtime. And security, look, I don't need to talk about um, that so much because I think it's top of mind for anyone. And then manageability, 
you know, a single place from which you can manage your hardware, your facilities, your devices, your calling infrastructure, your messaging infrastructure. How do we make it easy for people to use technology from wh wherever they are? So they're the five lenses that we look at. That's, I appreciate that overview. That's really, really something. And, and also a great overview as to how you see the, the world changing. Some of these threads pulled forward, the, the, the ways in which we've worked out of necessity, some of it becoming kind of the new way of working uh, because of this experiment we've all been put through, a recognition that there are certain aspects that we're not likely to, to turn back to uh, sort of the way that we worked in 2019 as compared to since the, the pandemic has started. Uh, and it's interesting also to get your perspectives on, you know, how this impacts both yourself, uh, your, your company, uh, Cisco, as well as your, your company's customers. Thank you for sharing all of those details. So, Jackie, uh, you know, it, it strikes me through this conversation that you are, uh, you know, a technology leader that is not only leading a tremendous transformation within your own company, a, a large, complex uh, technology organization that is Cisco, but also you have a a tremendous network of of technologists, technology and digital leaders across a variety of industries who you also counsel to say nothing, of course, of your your uh, your peers and colleagues across Cisco as well. I wonder if you have any sort of reflections on, you know, additional sort of changes in the landscape uh, that, that you'd like to call out and if there are any kind of resources that you would suggest uh, for peers of yours, should they should they wish to reflect further on some of your ideas? Definitely, definitely. Yes, I, I have something actually that might be useful to share. So first of all, you know, my view is that we're at a unique time in history with the ability to redefine work. And we're really seeing the expectations of employees and employees alike changing. Our belief is that hybrid work is powered by the convergence of people, technology and places. And I think you've heard G2, Fran and I talk about that before. Um, there's an excellent resource that I think can help navigate this changing landscape. Um, which is Cisco's hybrid work index. Um, and if you and if you search for it, right, you search for Cisco hybrid work index, what you'll find is that it provides global insights on people's preferences, their habits, the their use of technology um, in the era of hybrid work. It also is based on millions of aggregated and anonymous customer data points, uh, Cisco employee, you know, surveys and third-party research that we are doing all the time is available within there as well. And it can definitely help accelerate, you know, innovation, business safety and security, and also win the war on, on top talent. So I would say that is probably a great resource, Peter. Cisco Hybrid Work Index. You, Jackie, um, have a, a lot of different experience as a chief information officer and as a as a tech exec. You were you were a chief information officer at companies like Deutsche Bank and Lloyd's Banking Group. You and I first got to know each other when you were the chief information officer, the global at uh, Thomson Reuters. Now, of course, as I mentioned, uh, roughly three years in role at Cisco. Uh, so very different organizations. Um, some some threads that are common, of course, but but uh, you've you've worked in many different countries as well, from Australia to Germany to the UK, here in the US now, based in California. Um, I wonder if you could talk, reflecting on your decade or so uh, as a CIO, how you see the role changing. Um, I can hear echoes of some of the, the substance of, of your current role as very different from how a lot of CIOs define, define their roles. But as somebody who's had the post in a variety of different settings, how do you see it evolving? I think it's evolved um, significantly, uh, Peter. And, you know, I sort of, I remember predicting when I was the head of infrastructure, I think I was 
my late 20s, early 30s, I was in charge of the data centers and the networks and, you know, keeping the systems up and running. And I used to work night shift 24 by 7. And, and we used to maintain those systems so that we could, you know, for example, support air traffic control at Sydney or Channel 7 primetime television or Macquarie Bank, you know, just to name a few in my in my days um, of being in technology in Australia. And my prediction always was, you know, over time, automation and computing will fundamentally change. And I predicted that the role of the infrastructure leader at some point might disappear. So, and if you think about it, public cloud has disrupted internal data centers and the way we thought about infrastructure. And we used to spend a lot of money internally, a lot of focus and a lot of effort on infrastructure. Now, when that, you know, that, that change happened over the last decades, more and more CIOs were focusing on applications, building applications, designing applications, customizing applications. I remember customizing applications at Deutsche Bank so that we could be the best foreign exchange, um, you know, let's say a provider in Wall Street when I lived in New York. I was in Wall Street, New York. We were designing our FX systems to be so, so fast that it could be our competitors. And there's, you know, over the, over the last decade, so much customization and development has gone into applications. But if you think about it now, and again, I predicted something similar, it's that you don't need to design everything. You don't need to customize everything. And I believe the CIO, I've always believed this in some way, shape or form, needs to be there to help transform companies. It happens to be that you use the technology lever and the technology levers change every decade, right? It was heavy infrastructure, it was heavy apps. What is it now? It's pub, It's hybrid cloud. I wouldn't say public cloud for everything because you need to have your own data centers for important data that you do not want to put at risk somewhere potentially. Um, but now it's more about, you know, best of breed platforms integration architecture, data and analytics, number one, security, number one, <laughs> data analytics, number one. So, um, you know, to me, it's it's more about that. How do you help transform the business? I mean, we're in the middle of, we've spent the last year or so designing data in a way that we can transform our company from what used to be traditional selling hardware to services and subscription and recurring revenue for our for our sellers. That's a very different model to before. And if you think about that, Peter, we're re-engineering about 150 systems inside Cisco while the plane's still flying. And, and you know, keeping up with the shifts in the industry and how, how quickly your applications or your technology platform can, can move with the business, that's going to be critical because it's the ones that will move fast that will, you know, will be the ones that come out in front in this competitive environment that we're in. So speed is of the essence. Therefore, designing technology to be able to re-architect quickly becomes critical. Very well said. I appreciate that overview. Um, Jackie, one of the things I was always, uh, in the early stages of getting to know you that I was really impressed by was was your story of, of uh of growth, uh, you, you alluded to a moment ago at a relatively young age, taking on great a great deal of responsibility. I hope you don't mind my going a little bit further back in your story. Uh, you you were born in Uruguay, an immigrant to Australia with your with your family, and um, your your family, uh, among other things, would would clean offices and. Uh, just to, to make a to make a longer and remarkable story a little bit uh, uh, more pithy, uh, you you would join your family at time and, and at times and work with them 
and one of the offices that you helped uh, help to clean, you would become an executive of that company. I think that's just a remarkable story uh, and, and one that really suggests a tremendous amount of, of, of grit on your part uh, to, to, to see a new reality for yourself. And, and I, I think you know, yours was a remarkably fast rise to areas of responsibility, to roles of responsibility in companies like IBM uh, in your 20s, uh, roles that I mentioned in financial services in your 30s, um, and, and you know, continuing to have a, a greater and greater levels of responsibility as well. I wonder if you could take a moment and reflect on your journey um, and, and to what do you attribute your fast rise? Um, I would love, love to understand some of the factors that you think are some of the necessary ingredients, at least in your own story. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I think, um, Peter, you know, I, I have always um, anchored myself on the fact that I come from humble beginnings. Um, and as you rightly pointed out, my parents moved to Australia when I was two years old and they were cleaners. Um, and as a result, I used to help my mum clean after school at 3 p.m. She'd pick me up and off we go and clean a bank or we go and clean a school, we clean something. And, um, you know, I, I realized even even at that point, we, we I was different, we were different. Um, you know, and that was, that was predominantly for a good reason. Australia encouraged immigrants on $10 tickets to come out to Australia and, and come to the, the land of the free where you could potentially build your version of, you know, the American dream, but in Australia, and my parents went to Australia. And, um, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy for me at school. Um, I was the only dark haired girl at school. It was a sea of blondes. Uh, you know, there was a lot of discrimination and bullying um, at the time. And I was a lonely girl, I would say. And it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And, but as a result of that, um, and I always say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. As a result of that, uh, I said to my parents when I was 17 years old, I said, look, I know you can't afford to send my brother and I to university. And given that he's smarter than me, you send Daniel off to do civil engineering and I'm going to go and work. And so at the age of 17 years old, I went to work. I went to work in IT and I started as a tape operator. I soon became a print operator. I was then a mainframe operator, a network operator. And one of the things I realized was I was so hungry to learn, number one. And then actually I realized that maybe I was smart. Um, I just didn't have the platform or I wasn't in an environment that accepted me being school. And now I'm working for this technology company. I'm 17 years old. And the teams there were, were like I was part of the family. I felt accepted. My, my ability to learn and absorb information just went through the roof because I think I was getting my confidence back. And the more I did it, Peter, the more I wanted it, right? So at my lunch breaks, I'd stop loading cartridges on the mainframe and I'd go into what's called the command center with all the mainframe operations team. And I'd be like, okay, so tell me what these systems do because I want to understand more. And I'd learn in my lunch break, um, you know, and the rest is history. I mean, I had an amazing seven years at IBM in 1993 when I joined um, and I learned so much. Uh, I would say, you know, always eager to learn, always willing to, to challenge the status quo. Um, I've always sought after roles which are difficult. You know, and at one point in my career, Peter, I remember asking myself, why do I always end up with these big, complex, hairy problems to solve? And then I realized that I was the one that went looking for them. Um, so I like that. Um, I like that. But, you know, you need, I think in transformation type roles, and I don't think there's anyone out there now that's not in one, you need conviction, you need courage, you know, you need to be able to build a strong team that will follow 
that vision. Um, and, and that really, that really is something that I love doing, honestly. And I think it comes from, it comes from my, my deep rooted past and the fact that my parents took a risk and were courageous and all the rest of it. I think, you know, they passed a lot of that onto me. Uh, what a great story. I, I'm, I'm moved every time you, 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 you offer it, Jackie, thank you for doing so here. I, a, a related story, uh, your rise is representative, of course, of a, a rise of a, of a woman in technology, still, unfortunately, not the, you know, not the norm. We're, we're nowhere close to 50% of technologists uh, represented as women. But but I wonder, you know, as somebody, again, who's been in the field for, for multiple decades now uh, in multiple environments, in multiple countries, for that matter, um, give your own sort of diagnosis of the state of women in technology, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, that is a tough one. That is a tough one, uh, Peter, one that I reflect on a lot. Um, I think there's been so many factors that either have helped organizations get to, you know, higher percentages of what I call diversity. Like I'm a big believer of diversity of thought, whether it's man, woman, or, you know, different cultures or, or, or whatever it is. Um, I think you need a diverse team. I think that there are companies who are really good at building diverse teams I think, you know, um, Cisco's got a pretty good um, track record of having, you know, good numbers of female representations at all levels, but we continue to watch it. Like we ha you have to continue to look at it because I think uh, it needs to be part of your DNA, right? When you are, when you're recruiting talent, you need to have a diversity lens on it. When you're looking to, you know, promote people from within or help their career development within, and 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 promote mobility you need to have a diverse lens on that and i think you know some companies take it really seriously and have a have a close eye on it you know others less so and you can typically tell who they are by just looking at who turns up in the meetings i mean i i i know that i deal with so many technology companies as you can imagine peter and i know the ones that i'm going to turn up and it's going to be all a group of people that look very much the same versus a group of people that actually have bringing diversity of thought to the table. So I would say, look, it's a huge, um, uh, important thing for me personally. I, I, and, and if you look at my team now, I'm really proud of my team. I don't know if you've seen the latest picture of my team, um, Peter, but they are, you know, um, an amazing bunch of talented people that come from all walks of life with very different backgrounds and experiences from very different industries just happen to be in tech. Um, and I think that, you know, that remains a, a key challenge. But look, I think with the with the question you asked around the females um, representation, it is a challenge. And I think even more so now with the pandemic. I think um, when we did internal reviews on what was happening inside Cisco, we saw that the people that were taking on the brunt of, you know, what the pandemic was causing for companies were leaders, as in managers, or managers and females because they were also having to look after things at home. Um, so, yeah, I think I think a constant eye on on this topic, I think, is essential. Good, good points across the board. I wanted to ask you, um, as you look to the future, Jackie, what trends excite you? Uh, you know, yours is a company that is constantly keeping, you, you know, the, the collective fingers on the pulse of, of technology and how what's on the rise, what's on the fall. Uh, what what new trends might be might apply to to your organization to your your company's customers? What are some of the things that particularly excite you as you look to the future? I would say a couple of things. Um, the first one is you know a quote that um, I've heard G two say, which honestly has become one of my favorite. Uh, and he says that you know um, opportunity is pretty unevenly distributed throughout the planet, 
but human potential is not. So you think about that. And why that resonates with me so much is coming from a family that didn't have much money, I did not have access to education. I did not have access to technology. And when I think about what Cisco is doing, we want to provide technology to anyone anywhere in the world because anyone should have access to technology and education. Right now, we know that the reality is that is not the case. So being part of a company as well as other partner companies that Cisco is working with that actually might be the reason that we could change that very fact, that is like, that is amazing. That is incredible. Everyone should have access to technology, no matter where you are, where you come from, whether you have money or whether you don't. Um, so that's, to me, that's, that's, that is so um, inspirational. You know, equally, I think the whole trend around, um, you know, advancements in healthcare, uh, and you know, I'm on the board of a um, healthcare uh, company that wants to provide healthcare access to every American in the United States of America. And anyone that lives in the United States of America should have access to healthcare, but the reality is they don't. And there are a lot of people that are trying to do that. And Cisco's partnering with a lot of companies to try and see what can we do to change that. Um, so, I, you know, to me, I always go back to the kind of fundamentals of who we are as human beings and how technology can help that. So that excites me a ton. And then obviously borderless talent. I think um, the pandemic has shown that it doesn't matter where talent is, talent is everywhere. I'm, I'm not surprised, Jackie, knowing you so well that uh, that the trends you, you call out, especially focus on people aspects um, and, and the, 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 the power, uh, as well as the evolution of how people are, are, are fueling uh, some of this innovation as well. Uh, appreciate all of your response as well. Jackie Gieschelar, thank you so much for, for taking time with me today. It's wonderful to, to spend time with you to, to learn more about uh, what you're thinking about as a company and on behalf of your customers from, with regard to the future of work, um, other areas where you and your team are, are driving innovation on behalf of Cisco. It's, it's been a wonderful conversation as always. It's been a pleasure, Peter, as always as well. Can't wait to see you again in the flesh. Likewise, likewise. I'm looking forward to it also.